John chapter 20. John 20. Appreciate the Lord's traveling mercies over. It's good to see Brother Wesley in the service tonight. My son-in-law, Brother Cody, come over with us. And uh, so many familiar faces. Thank you for coming out tonight. John 20, verse number 19. The Resurrection Sunday. The same day at evening being the first day of the week. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, said unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. I like this next phrase. It's always true. When you get behind the door with Jesus. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again. Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. All right. When he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. That little line in verse number 22 is really where we are tonight in the economy of God. When he had said unto them, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. I think the Lord Jesus is building here a greater consciousness and an awareness of the ministry of the Spirit of God in their lives. A greater expectation, a greater anticipation, a greater appreciation for the Holy Ghost who is to be poured out in just a matter of days after this upper room meeting with His disciples. Already, on this Resurrection Sunday, the Lord had appeared to Mary at the tomb, and Luke tells us that he had appeared to two who were walking, making their way to Emmaus, transformed their lives, sent them back to the disciples. And now here in the upper room, 
They're gathered for fear of the Jews, the Scripture says. And uh, He breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now for years, I've had a little bit of confusion with this statement. What is the connection here with what Jesus had promised His disciples just uh, two or three days earlier? And then what is the connection here with what happens in Acts chapter number 2? Is this a pre-Pentecostal experience? I don't necessarily think that's the case, and I wouldn't argue with you if you wanted to say that. I don't think everything that the Lord Jesus promised and what the prophets foretold in the Old Testament would take place at Pentecost is taking place here. I think rather what you have is further instruction about the ministry of the Spirit of God in their lives. Already the Lord had said a great deal. He had reserved this teaching on the ministry of the Spirit of God for the last few hours that He had with them. John 14, 15, and 16, you'll find the majority of what the Lord Jesus had to say about the Holy Ghost to His disciples. Here is a link between all that Jesus said was going to be true when the Spirit comes and what you see in reality in the book of Acts and later in the epistles. I think what our Lord is saying to His disciples here is simply this. Let the Spirit of God work in your life. The word receive, as it is used here, means to accept one's person. To accept a person. And I think that really the teaching is to Let the Spirit of God work in your life. I think it uh, is the answer for what he says to them in this setting. In fact, he says something to them that really is beyond their ability. Verse number 21, he said, As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. You've got a responsibility. You've got a duty. The only way you're going to be able to fulfill this is if you let the Spirit of God work in your life. God pays for what He orders. What He's expecting out of them, Jesus is saying... Don't fear, don't fret, don't be anxious over your responsibility. God is going to do it through the supernatural working of the Spirit of God. God's answer has always been the Holy Ghost. When the angel told Mary that she was going to have a a miracle child... Her question, unlike what uh, Zachariah's question when he said, how is this going to happen? 
Hers was faith seeking further understanding when she said, How shall these things be? The angel had one answer. It's the answer to all our questions as to how, Lord. The angel said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Here is the answer to their question as to their responsibility. What they're being sent to do and what God expects out of them. A life of service and consecration to the will of God and the mission that God had sent the Lord Jesus on. He wants them to understand you've got a life of purpose as well. God has great expectations. And the only way those expectations are going to be satisfied is it's going to take a power beyond your power and ability beyond your ability. And so he says, let the Holy Spirit of God work in your life. It's true all the way through. Everything God requires of us pushes us toward the necessity of the Spirit of God and the assistance of the Spirit of God in our life. You take, for example, what Paul said in Galatians 5 when he said, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think we take that verse and we reverse the order. Our emphasis is walk or don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's about all we ever emphasize. As if that's our responsibility. But the order of the text is this. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Not a one of us in here tonight doesn't have an issue and a struggle with the flesh. And we say, how in the world are we going to have victory over the flesh? God's answer is still the Holy Ghost. Work on this area. Make sure this relationship is where it needs to be. In agreement with the Spirit of God, in obedience to the Spirit of God, and the flesh will take care of itself. The more you try to suppress the flesh, the more you're going to find out it's popping up. And God never told us to crucify ourselves. He said, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. It's already happened. Dead man can't kill himself. It's already happened. What our responsibility is, is work on this side of the relationship of the Spirit of God and our responsibility with the Spirit of God and this area of the lust of the flesh will be settled. And so he's saying to them, you've got a big responsibility. Look at verse number 23. Now here's an interesting statement. He said, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. They're forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain... They are retained. Did you know tonight God's man has the authority to say who's forgiven and who isn't forgiven? I'm not talking about absolution like the Catholics teach. Jesus said in your preaching ministry 
You have the authority and the ability to declare the basis of forgiveness and who is not forgiven. Can I say to you tonight that if there's no confession, there's no forgiveness. If you're not trusting and leaning on the shed blood of the cross, there's no forgiveness. If there's no repentance and faith, there's no forgiveness. You're still in your sins. You still retain them. And that's what gospel ministry announces. The basis of forgiveness is confession. The shed blood of the cross. Repentance and faith. And apart from that, there is no forgiveness. And Jesus said, you have that authority to announce what sins are forgiven and what sins are not forgiven. How in the world is that going to be accomplished? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost do what He wants to do in order for you to do what you're supposed to do. Now, let's go a step further with it. It's not only... Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. I think deeper than that, what the Lord Jesus is saying is let the Holy Ghost do what He wants to do. There is a desire. There is an interest. Uh, There is uh, a passion of the Spirit of God that He has for every one of us tonight. Now we uh, have the image of the Lord Jesus standing before a lost world. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And that's a, thank God, that's a gospel promise. I want to say to you tonight, the Holy Ghost is all of God there is in this world. If we have any relationship with heaven, it's going to be through the ministry of the Spirit of God. He is the administrator of all that's taking place between heaven and earth. If you have any connection with God tonight, it's going to be through the ministry of the Spirit of God. If there's any reality in your life and my life tonight, it's going to be because of the agency and instrumentality of the Spirit of God. And oh, how he pleads. He stands before us tonight as the administrator of God's economy. And uh, we've got to deal with him if we're going to deal with God at all. There's so much that he has in mind. There's so much that he desires. There's so much that he wants to do. Not just let the Spirit of God work. Jesus is saying, let the Spirit of God do what He wants to do. And we desperately need to see that tonight. We desperately need Him to do it. There's several statements in the book of Acts I think will validate this thought and this idea. And I'm not going to run them down. But every time there's reference to receiving the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 8, chapter 10, and chapter 19... There is this underlying idea of letting the Spirit of God do what He wants to do. You remember when Paul went to the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. As soon as he met him, he 
could tell there's something lacking. Amen. I don't know what it is that he could see, but he could tell something was absent. And so he raised the question. He got real nosy and offensive. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Their need was not to be a believer. They are believers. Believers have the Spirit of God. Their need was to be in submission to the Spirit of God. To throw up the white flag of surrender and let the Spirit of God do what He wants to do. What He desires to do. Beyond salvation is the the understanding and the truth and the principle that the Spirit of God has great intentions for you and for me. What is it that He wants to do? Well, Jesus told His disciples in John 14, 15, and 16 that He wants to teach them. He'll teach you all things. He wants to lead them. He'll guide you into all truth. He wants to bear witness. He wants to give testimony. Jesus said in Acts chapter number 1 that He has an interest and a desire to empower you. You remember when Luke talked about that uh, 40-day period between the cross or the resurrection and the ascension that the Lord Jesus said to His disciples, Then tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Paul talked about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The Spirit of God has a desire to enlighten us. You say, what are you talking about? Here's the text. James 4 verse number 5. Listen to this. Do you think the Scripture saith in vain that the Spirit lusteth, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Did you know tonight the Holy Ghost lust? Galatians 5.17 said the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit lusteth against the flesh. He has lust. He has desires. He has passions. He pines. He longs. He yearns to fulfill everything that God sent him here to do for a believing church. You know what else he longs to do in Romans chapter 8 verse number 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Ghost wants to set us free tonight. <laughs> Amen. You know what else the Holy Ghost wants to do in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed in the same image from glory to glory. Listen, listen. You know what he pines to do, yearns to do? Is to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
So Jesus said, not only let the Holy Spirit work, but Jesus said, let the Holy Spirit of God do what He longs to do. He's a person. He has feelings. Every one of us that have children, you've got a great desire to be good to your children. I don't know about you, every now and then I, I pick up something for one of my young'uns and I think I'll put that back and keep it for Christmas, but no, I can't wait till Christmas. Can't wait till Christmas. And I wonder when Paul said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, if he wasn't talking about shutting off the Holy Ghost from doing what he wants to do, what he desires to do. I'm going to quit. Let me tell you this story. Years ago in D.L. Moody, God was using him in both continents of America and Europe and England. I think it was somewhere up north a group of preachers got together and were trying to organize and plan a campaign for Moody to come and they were all discussing the ins and the outs of all of that. And finally, somebody spoke up in the group, as only a brilliant preacher can. And he asked this question Do we have to have Moody? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Ghost? One godly man spoke up and said, No, we don't have to have Moody. He doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Ghost. But he says it does seem to be that the Holy Ghost has a monopoly on Dwight Moody. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let him do what God sent him here to do. Let him do what he wants to do. I think it would be a tragedy when we get to heaven... And in the pantries of God's heaven, we see all that God had for us and all the Holy Ghost wanted to communicate to us. But we wouldn't sit still long enough. We wouldn't submit. We wouldn't repent. We wouldn't obey God. Acts said He gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good word of God. Thank you, our Father, for the promise of the Spirit of God. And Lord, help us to make the connection between all that you promised and said that he would do and all that he's willing to do.